Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast here tonight with Pastor Bob Simons from the New Life Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson. Thank you, Seth. Good to have everybody listening tonight, and especially good to have our people from Pennsylvania listening. Good that you guys are with us tonight. And uh, also, Dave and Enrique, is that how you say that? Enrique, Enrique. Anyway, he uh, they're listening tonight from the county jail. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, I appreciate those guys and how uh we uh we had a real man we had a good service up there today we really did and i uh, got a text one of them wants me to play a song this particular song so uh they asked us to sing it in the service today and we didn't didn't do that but they call it the old violin song up at the uh up at the jail 
It was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer felt it was hardly worth his while to waste much time on that old violin. But he held it up with a smile. He said, "It sure ain't much, but it's all we got left. Guess we ought to sell it too." Now who'll start the bid on this old violin? Just one more and we'll be through. Cried out, "One, give me one dollar. Who'll make it two? Two dollars. Who'll make it three? Three dollars twice. That's a good price. But who's got a bid for me? Raise up your hands and don't wait any longer. The auction's about to end." Who's got four? Just one dollar more to bid on this old violin. Well, the air was hot and the people stood around as the sun was setting low. From the back of the crowd, a gray-haired man came forward, picked up the bow. He wiped the dust from that old violin and tightened up those strings. And he played out a melody pure and sweet, sweet as the angel sings. And then the music stopped, and the auctioneer, in a voice that was quiet and low, he said, "What is my bid for this old violin?" And he held it up with a bow. He cried out, "One, give me one thousand. Who make it two? Two thousand. Who make it three?" Three thousand twice—that's a good price. But who's got a bid for me? People cried out, "What made the change?" We don't understand. Then the auctioneer stopped, and he said with a smile, "It was the touch of the master's hand." Now you know many a man with his life out of tune is battered and scarred with sin. He's auctioned cheap to a thankless world, much like the old violin. But then the master comes in that old foolish crowd; they never understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought just by one touch of the master's hand. Cried out, "One, give me one thousand. Who make it two? Two thousand. Who make it three? Three thousand twice. That's a good price. But who's got a bid for me? The people cried out, "What made the change? We don't understand." Then the auctioneer stopped, and he said with a smile, "It was the touch of the master's hand. It was the touch, the master's hand was the touch." Master's hand. That's going out to Dave and Enrique tonight. Tonight, and stay tuned. We're you're just tuning in to the Tell It Like It Is Radio Show. Text me tonight seven zero one two nine zero seven eight six two. All right, this is the Tell Like It Is Radio broadcast here tonight with Pastor Bob Simons. We're from the New Life Church, and like he said, text us tonight with any questions or comments. 
290-7862 or call us in studio 701-225-5133. And if you're out of country, email us any questions or comments. Or if you just want to let us know where you're listening from, Robert Simons 58 at gmail.com. Shout out to um, Bethany listening in Indiana. We've got, um, we've got our Valley City bunch listening tonight. Uh, the Schulers up in Grafton are listening. Uh, shout out to Lori listening tonight. I don't know if Malachi's tuned in or not, but hello to him too. And I do, I do look forward to those texts and emails. We had a good church service today. I, I also uh, had a good, uh, I had a, uh, a, uh, went to a conference this, uh, week. I took some of my grandkids to a conference in Great Falls, Montana. The pastor's name is, uh, Ron Erpelding and what a, what a great man of God he is. And they put on a great, great conference. And we heard some really good preaching. Uh, a man named Cody Marks was preaching there, um, uh, uh, Brother Cornwell, and a man, Brother Hughes, was doing some teaching, Bible teaching. Tremendous, tremendous um, conference. And I'm sure that the next few weeks, a lot of that preaching will just kind of leak through in my brain. It did today already, and, and, uh, and I'm sure that it will even come through a little bit on the radio tonight. But... I want to read a scripture to start out with tonight, and uh, I hope, I really, my prayer is, I'm glad for all of you that are Pentecostals listening tonight, I really appreciate that, but my really, my prayer tonight, is, I hope there's a lot of people that are local people from Dickinson, North Dakota here listening on the AM radio station, that's my prayer, because I really want to help you, I think there's a lot of people that are kind of stuck in the mud with their walk with God, and I, I think there's a reason for it, and I want to try to get to the bottom of that tonight, Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And certainly, this scripture is talking about uh, a national repentance, which we really need. Uh, we were, um, you know, every every nation that has started to go the way that we're going has dissolved, and, and we will dissolve too. You know, I don't want to be negative, but, but I mean, you can't get away from the, the uh, concepts and the precepts of God and still hold a nation together. Uh, this nation was, was a, a, a peculiar experiment, uh, one nation under God, really, and, and the concept of God and, and, and so on. This, the freedom that we've given, if it's not been given to a moral people, it won't work. It just can't work. Without morality, without the, the God in our lives, this kind of freedom will not work. We'll end up as a totalitarian society just to protect ourselves from each other. I mean, that's what's, that's what happens, you know. And it's as much as I love freedom, I know that without God in our nation, that we will never be able to keep the freedoms that we have because it, it will just turn into a, a zoo. And so tonight I want to talk about Second Chronicles 7.14. I want to talk about what it's, pointing us to do. I think there are a lot of people that are mixed up about how to get right with God. Now, you guys that are listening at the jail uh, today, uh, I'm going to speak about very much similar things that I spoke about at the jail. And then you that were in our church service, you're going to hear some similarities about that too that I talked about. But there's a lot of ideas about getting right with God. Some people think getting right with God is kind of becoming religious. Like um, some people think getting right with God is mysticism. You know, they, uh, there are people that, that, um, they, they, um, you know, are trying to find their inner self or all these kind of bizarre words that people use. Turn me up just a little bit. I feel like I have to, there you go. Thank you. The, um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of times there are people that, 
you know, in Pentecost, we think getting right with God has to do with having maybe sometimes a nice church building or, or, um, or maybe, um, you know, getting right with God. We think we can get right with God just by worship. Maybe we think we can get right with God just by, um, um, you know, you know, just by acting out as Pentecostals, like we're supposed to act, but actually, um, and, and here again, some people, uh, some people get so church orientated and I am church oriented. I believe in going to church, you know, and I, uh, don't, don't turn away from this program and think that I don't think going to church is important. I think it's very, very important, but that's not exactly what getting right with God is about either. It's just going to church and it's not about just having an evangelist come in. It's not about those kind of things, but, but getting right with God has, has a lot to do with our personal lives. Uh, it, it really does. I've met a lot of religious people in my life, a lot of religious, what I'm going to call religious kooks in my life, that were not right with God. I mean, they were not. Their lives didn't bear it out. Um, they, um, they were, they were, um, you know, I, I was telling in church today about a lady I met years ago named Joni that would talk about, hey, when I pray, my bed shakes, you know. But the truth is, is Joni was a complete, uh, nut. I mean, she was completely, she might have even been demon possessed. And, and I, I just, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I, I don't believe in, I don't, not, not to say I don't believe in your bed couldn't shake when you're praying. I believe that that's not only possible, but even scriptural. There was a group of people in the Bible that prayed and the house was shaken they were in. So God brought an isolated earthquake just to the, right to where they were at. But, so I, I'm not, you know, I just gotta hope, I hope people hear me through tonight. I really do. I hope they don't just like, if you just shut me off right there, we're gonna have trouble. But, you're not gonna get right with God until you get sin out of your life. You're, you're not going to. You know, I'm just gonna start there. You know, um, I was a friend of mine who told me about his dad was a preacher. And this friend of mine had an evangelist that all he did was pray and preach. And my friend's dad didn't like this evangelist. He didn't like him. Because the guy wouldn't visit. He wouldn't sit and talk much. You know, he, he just, all he did is pray and preach. And the first night of the revival, this is what my friend told me. He said, this guy got up and his first night, the evangelist is visiting his church. And the first night of the revival, he said, God gave me a vision about this church. And I'm going to tell you what it is. Before I even start this revival, he said, I, God, there was a husk of corn. And in my vision, God said, peel back the husk. And all the kernels were rotten in that husk, except three of them. And God spoke to me and said, there's only three people right with me in that church. And then the evangelist said this, and I'm not sure if the pastor's one of them. Well, this pastor ended up really not liking that evangelist after that. But I'm telling you that you've got to get right with God. There's no way around it. We can't sing loud enough. We can't worship loud enough. You can't, like if you're Catholic, you can't do enough penance. You can't, you know, you can't take enough communion. You know, you're not going to get right with God until you get sin out of your life. It's a huge block in our lives. There are every great revival that ever happened in the Bible started out with people getting sin out of their lives. Uh, it started out with, with people making some changes. Uh, there, there, uh, every great revival historically, recently, whether it, whether it's Pentecostal revival or the Welsh revival 
you know, in England or, or just some of these things you read about, every single one of those revivals started with people getting sin out of their lives. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you, number one, to get right with God, you've got to get rid of sin. A true revival spirit brings an acknowledgement of sin. When we read in the book of Isaiah, where, the, where, where Isaiah saw the Lord, he saw the Lord high and lifted up in his temple. He, the first thing he said after that was, woe is me. When you see God, it will help you to begin to see yourself the way we need to see ourselves. And we need God. We need repentance. Now, if this sounds negative to you, um, I'm telling you it's not negative. Because God loves us. He really does. He loves us and he wants to help us. But he can't help us if we won't do what he says. Like this idea that we don't have anything to do with our relationship with God, that's not in the Bible. God calls, but we've got to answer. God shows us things, but we've got to put it into practice. You know, there, there is, there is, um, uh, I, if I'm preaching about anything tonight, I'm preaching against this religious system out there that says I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer and everything's right with me and God. It's not like that. It's not. It, it isn't like that. Real repentance and turning to God has something to do with praying, but it also has something to do with doing. And so real repentance is not just praying. It's not just going to an altar and crying. You know, um, and here again, I, I want to be, somehow I want to be encouraging this. If you're away from God tonight, or if, you, if you're if you banging your head against the wall because you can't get close to God tonight, I'm telling you, I'm going to give you one of the answers. There's several answers, but one of the answers is that you're, you've got sin in your life. You, you've, uh, you've got to get rid of sin. And the way we get rid of sin is through repentance, and repentance is not just talking. Jesus told a story, and he said there were two brothers, and their father asked them to go do something. You know, I'm not sure, go mow the lawn, you know, it wasn't quite like that. Go mow the lawn. And one of the brothers said, I'll go and do it. But he never went and did it. The other brother said, I'm not going to do it. But later he felt bad and he went and did it. And Jesus asked a question to these religious people. Which one of the two did the will of their father? And it wasn't the one that talked about it. It was the one that did it. You know, I think God wants us to to be like a bunch of Missourians here. You know, the Missourians, it's the show me state. You know, that's what the, that's their, their their state motto. Show me. Like show me, show me. What you know? What what you're doing? We got a Missouri in here, don't we? I kind of forgot about that. But but show me. Don't just don't just talk about it. And getting right. I don't know. It's going to be hard to get off this point tonight. Get rid of sin in our life. And 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 so a couple things here that I need to be brought to our attention. Number one, there's got to be preaching about sin for people to get rid of sin because nowadays nobody even knows what sin is. Like for instance, um, you know. Uh, I was at a, a youth prison a while back, and I said something. Well, this was quite a while ago, and I said something. I said, um, "I said you shouldn't be having sex with somebody you're not married to." And one of the kids looked at me and he said, "Even if you love them?" Well, see, we we're, we got to start way over here now in this in this culture. Well, first of all, if you love them, why wouldn't you marry them? What are you afraid of making that kind of promise? You know, you, you make a promise, 
And, uh, you know, you know, like uh, in your case, Seth, that woman made a promise to you and you lost weight, I think, you know. And he looks better now than he did when he married her, you know. But, but you know, he was weight like 400 pounds when he married her, I think, or something like that. But, but he, uh, you know, I mean, so, but, but the point is, is what if you'd have gained 500 pounds? She still made a promise to you. You know, like, like in other words, that's it. I mean, she promised you. You know, and, and we're living in a world that doesn't even know what the rules are. And unfortunately, folks, many of you in Dickinson, North Dakota, I think, are going to churches where they won't tell you what the rules are. How can we get rid of sin in our life when we don't even know what it is? How can we please God when we don't even know what pleases Him? Like, for instance, if my wife never asked me what I like for breakfast... And she, man, my wife does make me breakfast a lot. All I like for breakfast is two eggs. That's all I really like. You, you give me two eggs, a little salt and pepper, Tabasco sauce, I'm good. That's all I like. I mean, I'll eat the rest of it too. <clears throat> and my wife knows that. <clears throat> you know, so <clears throat> I'll wake up and, or she'll come out in the kitchen and she'll fry up a couple eggs, you know. How does she know that? Because she knows, she knows what I like. Do you even know what God likes? How are you going to get rid of sin unless you know what sin is? I remember years ago, my kids going to the high school here in Dickinson. They were at a Youth for Christ meeting at the high school. And they, my kids came home so excited. There was a pastor there that had addressed them. And my kids were so excited, they said, Dad, you'd really like that pastor. He really preached against sin. And I asked my kids this question. I said, did he tell you what it was? Did he tell you what it was? And they said, no. I said, well, how do you even know what he was saying then? See, they assumed they knew. You know, there was a there was a president who was it? Was it? Uh, it wasn't Truman, but anyway, he and his wife went to church regularly. This a long time ago, back in the thirties or twenties. I can't think of which pre- was it. It wasn't Roosevelt. Uh, but anyway, he and his wife went to church regularly. I read this somewhere. And one one day, his wife was sick, and he went to church all by himself. And he, when he came home, he had a lot on his mind. And his wife said, "How was church?" He said, "Good." good you know husbands are they're answering the questions but they're not really listening and she goes well what did he preach about he said well uh he uh, he preached about sin and his wife said well what did he say about it he goes well well, he was against it (laughs) like he wasn't listening to her at all but you know god is against sin and what is it like are you doing what pleases god and if you're not could it be that that's slowing you down. Now, there are people that know what God's already... Sp- I talked to the guys at the jail. Many of these people at the jail today acknowledged to me that God showed them that he was against their addiction. Like he was against their drug usage and drinking. And and many times, most of the time, the people in jail, they might be locked up for something else, but most of the time it has to do with addiction. Not, I mean, I don't know what the percentages are. I mean, you know, I'm going to say it's... Over 80% of the time, yeah. I mean, you've got sex offenders and so on, too, and even then there's pornography addictions and all kinds of stuff. And that, that's where a lot of that leads to, too, by the way, if you, um, you know, you need to get away from that stuff. But, but, this, but I told these people, how many has God already talked to you about your drug usage? Uh, here I'm talking to people like there were, what were there, Dave, Dave's listening to me tonight. There was probably 30, we only had one service today, they moved it all into one. We might have had 30 30 people there, 30, 35 people. I don't even know how many in that service. There was six ladies and maybe 25 guys. And I was talking to these guys, and, and I'm in a room full of people that want to do what's right. They want to live for God. 
I mean, not all of them, certainly not all of them. Some are just there to get out of their cell. But I'm going to say the vast majority of those people in that room, they want to do what's right. The reason that it's not working for them is they won't do what God told them to do. Like, you you get out of jail, you pray in jail, you ask God to help you in jail, and the first thing you do when you get out of jail is try to score some meth? Like, well, how's this going to work with God? You see what I'm saying? This is getting in the way of your relationship with God. God will help us, but he also expects us to do what we're supposed to do. You know, like, like <coughs> there are people in my life that God delivers them from alcoholism. He delivers them from drug addiction. And then they start having a beer once in a while and even getting mad at me for saying anything to them about it. Like, you know what? If God spoke to you about it, he hasn't changed his mind. Like my pastor used to say, they haven't added an additive to old Milwaukee to make it, like, make you a better parent or a better worker or a better husband or a better driver since you quit drinking. I mean, when God told me to get rid of, get out of the drug business, which he did many, many years ago, you know what? Those drugs haven't gotten any better now. You know, if I was to pick up and start smoking weed right now, and my relationship with God went downhill, it wouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why it did. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Your relationship with God is going nowhere because you're disobeying God. And maybe I'm listening to you tonight, and you're an evangelical Christian from Dickinson, North Dakota, and your mind is full of pornography all the time. Well, could it be that's what you're feeding into your mind all the time? You say, oh, I don't watch pornography, Pastor Bob. I'll tell you, that stuff on television nowadays is pornography. It, it is. I mean, like like when I, you know, when you were young and you, in the 60s and they had Leave it to Beaver and the Andy Griffith show on television, there was no pornography in that stuff. I'm a, I still don't think it was any good. But but when I grew up, there, you know, I, I didn't grow up going to a Pentecostal church. I grew up watching TV and you know, we had two channels at our house, and and we, we watched TV, but there was no nudity on TV. There was no cussing on TV. There was there was no uh, there was the violence we see on when John Wayne shot somebody on TV. You could even see him. You could even see the ketchup bo- bottle in their shirt. You know, what I mean, like it wasn't blood. We knew it was ketchup. I mean, there was no decapitations. There were there was no uh, torture. There, you know, uh, there was no homosexuality on TV. Like none, zero. Like, it didn't even come on TV till I think, in the 80s. Okay, so what am I saying? Could your walk with God be stagnant and stalemated right now because you're doing things and the Holy Spirit's already talked to you? Like, you're going to the EBC Church right now, Evangelical Bible Church. You're listening to me right now. You're going to that church, and the, and the Holy Spirit's been talking. You, you've been turning on that stupid TV set. And the Holy Spirit has talked to you, talked to you, talked to you like, what are you doing? Why are you watching this? Why are you watching your Desperate Housewives movie or show? I mean, what's that? I never saw the show, but just the title of it lets me know that that's way wrong. Something way wrong with that. What are they desperate for? Are they hungry? They didn't get, didn't, couldn't pay their light bill? I mean, I, you know, I know what that show must be about. And so here you are going to the EBC church watching Desperate Housewives and wondering why your relationship with God and your marriage and your children and everything else is on the rocks. You know why? Because you're not listening to God. You know, when I get on my ranting and raving about television, you know, it's not just Pentecostals that don't have televisions. 
There's all kinds of good people and all kinds of different. I, I mean, you know, like I believe in this apostolic message from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. But I'm going to tell you this. I've met some awful fine people that are Catholic, too. You know, I got a brother-in-law out in Fargo uh, that's Catholic, and he's a fine man. He really is. He told me. He told me this story. He said, he said, uh, he and his wife were married. And he at work. He listened to the dirty jokes. Probably tell a few of them. His little daughter Sydney was born. He came home for that that Monday after Sydney was born. Little girl. He walked into the office. There's some men sitting around the water fountain, and and one of them was telling a filthy joke. And 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 my brother-in-law looked at that man and said, "You know what?" He said that. Who you're, he said, that woman you're talking about is somebody's daughter. And he said, and he told this guy, I'm looking at things a lot different right now than I used to. You see, what am I saying? I'm saying God wants us to get sin out of our lives. You know, they're, 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 you can shout, you can dance, you can worship, you can go to church every day of the week. Like I say, you Catholics can take communion until it comes out your nose. But if you're not going to get sin out of your life, you'll never get anywhere with God. And He's so loving. He's so kind. I mean, you know, you, you, you know, you're listening to me right now. You're living with your girlfriend. And you wonder why your walk with God isn't right. And then you get mad at somebody that brings it to your attention. You know what? Your best friend is somebody that would bring it to your attention. Your best friend is like, come on, get right with God. That's your best friend. There's, you don't have a better friend than that. My pastor, um, I've had people get plenty mad at me over the years. But my pastor told me one time a lady threw a purse at him in church one time. She was so mad at him. Threw a purse at him. I think he said one time a guy tried to run him over in the parking lot after church. Well, my pastor probably, you know, I'm so suave and, you know, he's probably listening right now. But, you know, but you know, he, he's just like, like, you talk about the tell it like it is show. I mean, like, you know. I mean, like, we call this the tell-it-like-it-is show. My pastor is the tell-it-like-it-is guy. You know, I was I was with him. Uh, I was preaching, or he and I went down to Bismarck. We met in Bismarck a couple of years ago just for something to help Brother Chuppy out. And uh, at the end of the service, people were praying. People were up at the altar crying and praying. And my pastor walks up to the mic, and he grabs the mic, and he says, I don't know whose kids those are back there in the back goofing around. But he said, "You parents better get a control of your children." And man, I was just, I was just like, "Well, I'm glad they weren't my kids. <laughs> I'd have been embarrassed." But you know what? I love my pastor because my pastor showed me the way to get right with God. He showed me the way to do it. You know, there, there is a, uh, there, there is a, uh, you know, I, I, what I'm saying today, folks, is that. That this is not, you say, oh, you're so judgmental, Pastor, Pastor Simons, Pastor Bob, you're so judgmental. This has nothing to do with being judgmental. You know what? If you're, if you're driving home from Walmart right now and you want, your life with God is not where it's supposed to be. And you're wondering why. I'm telling you why. I'm telling you why. You've got sin in your life. And just because your church doesn't talk about it doesn't mean God's not thinking about it. You know there there is a and you know what the Bible says in the it's in the Phillips version in Galatians that it says in the King James says God is not mocked that's what it says like God is not mocked you will reap what you sow in the Phillips version which is a really cool translation it says you can't make a fool out of God in other words you can fool me you can fool Chris 
You can fool, you know, I can fool you, Chris. I could fool you for a while. You know, I could fool, I'm the big pastor. You know, I'm the big guy. But what if there's sin in my life? You know who I can't fool? I can't fool God. And you know what's so cool? Is that God, he's he's not a God that's going to embarrass us. He just wants us to get it right with him. Let me sing this little song, and then we're going to go to a little break with another song so I can read my text. By the way, that's 701-290-7862. You're acting like a nobody knows it, thinking that you've hidden your sin, telling everybody everything's fine, but you're lying about the trouble you're in. Because I've heard about all you've been doing. You know there's people talking all over town Dragging the name of the Savior down to the ground Now who do you think you're fooling When you're gonna realize That all of your plans and your scheming They're laying right before His eyes You're cheating and you're dirty dealing Selling your soul for a feeling Who do you think you're fooling with those lies? Satan, he's a-watching, laughing at you, and the change you've let him put on your hands. But there's people that you never imagined, my friend, praying that you'll learn how to stand. Cause everything's naked and open to the God with whom we have to do. So if there's anybody that's blind, got a feeling it's you. Who do you think you're fooling when you're going to realize that all of your plans and your scheming, they're laying right before his eyes. You're cheating and you're dirty dealing, selling your soul for a feeling. Who do you think you're fooling with those lies? Deep down inside you fear it. You know you're going to reap what you sow. But as long as you're grieving the Spirit, there ain't no peaceful place you can go. It just keeps getting harder and harder the farther you go down the line. Why won't you turn it around while you still got the time? Who do you think you're fooling when you're gonna realize that all of your plans and your scheming They're laying right before his eyes You're cheating and you're dirty dealing Selling your soul for a feeling Who do you think you're fooling? Think that the king isn't ruling Who do you think you're fooling With those lies?
everybody. Pastor Bob, the Tell It Like It Is radio program. Good to be with you again tonight. Coming back. Thank you for all the texts. And um, the. Uh, I, I hope. I really hope that I'm not misunderstood tonight. I really am not. I hope that I'm not. I'm not talking about like oh, I'm better than you because I don't have a TV or anything like that. I'm talking about whatever God's dealing with you about. You need to get right with God. You you need to because you're not going to go anywhere with God until you get rid of sin. Now that doesn't mean that we're perfect, of course not. But what it means is we stay close to the altar of repentance. Like we like when we if we mess up, you lose your temper, whatever. You know what, God, I'm sorry. You know, God, I'm sorry. You know, uh, it's it's not what what I'm seeing amongst religious people is sometimes they're trying to find an excuse rather than help. Like like you know they they think. You know, I, I told a guy, and uh, in fact, he was in my jail service today, but he was out of jail a few months ago, and he and I were talking on the phone. And I told him, I said, you're not right with God. And he said, man, that's really judgmental, Pastor Pastor Bob. He said, that's, I said, but you're not. I can tell just by talking to you, you're not right with God. He goes, man, that's that's really judgmental. Well, he was in my jail service today, and I brought that whole story up in front of everybody, and he told me, yeah, I wasn't right with God. In fact, after we hung up, God you know, told me, of course, you're not right with me. You know, you're... He was doing all kinds of bad things. You know, you see, is it doing bad things that send us to hell? Not necessarily. And is it just trying to be good that sends us to heaven? No, because we we need the blood of Jesus. But your relationship with God is stopped dead because of exposed sin that we won't deal with. And I will tell you this, your relationship with God is even dead about sin you don't know sometimes. Because if you don't even take the time and care to know what God thinks... You know, like, like in other words, there is some, there is some things that, that ignorance is bliss. I mean, there are some things, like eating in a restaurant's like that, right? Like, you know, you eat in this restaurant, the food's hot, it tastes good, but if you'd go back there and see sometimes that kitchen, and you'd see that guy with the, with the ponytail hanging down in your french fries or whatever, and, and like, you know, like you, I mean, like, you know, he's got that little lice thing jumps on, you know, you think it's some Parmesan cheese or something on your pizza, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not, you know, like, I mean, when the anchovies start crawling off the pizza and whatever, I mean, like, like, I, I'm just saying, there are some things ignorance is bliss, right? I mean, there are. But when it comes to God, ignorance is not bliss. You know, this, you know, I'm not even really getting to all of the points that I want to make, but, but let me just end it with this. If you want to get right with God, get sin out of your life and start with the things that God is already talking to you about. You drug addicts, you drinkers, get those things out of your life. God's already talking to you about that. You're not going to get anywhere with God. If you know, you say, well, I thought God was supposed to take it away from me. He'll help you with the addiction. But but he like my pastor would would say all the time, you know God, you know you know he's going to help you quit smoking, but you're going to have to quit buying them, <laughs> you know that I mean and I thought boy that that makes so much sense I mean it just makes so much sense in other words like we know we all know addictions are bad the cigarette addiction is one of the worst ones one of the most addictive ones, but but you know what if God's talked to you about quitting smoking, and you don't quit smoking your relationship with God is at a dead end right now. You've got to move past that. You've got to get through that. And so, number two, number one, you've got to get sin out of your life. Number two, you've got to learn to start getting along with people. You know, one of the things that stops personal your personal relationship with God, number one, is sin in your life. Number two, I want to say this. You have unforgiveness and bitterness in your life, and you're not going to go anywhere with God with this. 
You know, I've, I've brought this up at the county jail a lot of times. Up at the county jail, oh, by the way, they, uh, there was between the two services at the women's prison tonight, Lauren just texted me and said they had 15 between those two services there. That's, that was awesome. 15 ladies there. But out at the women's prison, out at the county jail, there are a lot of people there that were hurt as children. And I mean, you could use that as an excuse to do bad or whatever, be a drug addict. I mean, I, I am amazed at how many people that have addiction problems that were molested as children. I mean, it's it's weird. I mean, it's just weird. And so, yeah, there's something to that, right? There's something to that. So I tell people to jail this. I say, okay, you're the one that got hurt as a child. And I'll have them raise their hand. Who here got hurt as a child? Now, and, man, it's sometimes half the people in there. And I'll say, okay, now, if you don't forgive the person that hurt you, you're going to hell. How does that sound? And they're like, Pastor Bob, that doesn't sound right. Like, why should it be up to me? Like, I was the one that was done wrong, right? Why should... But you know who said that? It wasn't me that made that up. Jesus said that. Jesus said, if you want me to forgive your sins, he said, you've got to forgive others their sins. And you're never going to get anywhere with God if you don't start getting along. If your marriage is bad... You're gonna to have to, you're gonna to have to work things out with you, your your wife if you want to get anywhere with God. You say, well, you you don't know my wife, you know. Well, she, you know, she'd probably say the same thing about you, you know. Like like if you just sit and and fuss and fight and pester each other all the time, if there's no love in your home, and you wonder why your prayer life is gone, and you wonder why you're not seeing miracles in your life, God can't move. When people aren't getting along. The Bible talks about that we don't want our prayers to be hindered. Well, when our prayers get hindered is when we're not getting along with others. When you stay mad at people, when you won't forgive people, and I'm going to say this, and I said it in church today, get away from this, oh, okay, Pastor Bob, I'm going to write a list of all the people that heard me, and I'll contact them and tell them I forgive them. That's a bunch of baloney most of the time. Most of the time it is. What you're doing there is just getting back at them. Like you really, yeah, you really hurt me. And, but you know, I'm so big and I'm such a great person that Pastor Bob's going to forgive you for that hurting me. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about forgiving them. Forgive them in your mind. Forgive them in your heart. Start forgiving them in your memory. Every time that thing plays back in your head, say, God, I forgive them. Devil, I don't want to hear you anymore. I'm done with that. God, I forgive. My, my good friend, Brother Farron, who's an evangelist, said every time that you start thinking of those bitter, unforgiving feelings, you start praying, and what you pray is the people that hurt you, God bless them. God help them. God, he said, the things you want in life, you pray for your the people that hurt you, that God would give those things to them. I'm like, Wow. <laughs> You know, like, like, you know, that's, you, you, you know, some of you are, are dead in the water with God. I, you know, when we, years ago, I met a lady one time and she was having trouble with a relationship with God and she was so full of bitterness. And, and when she would talk, it would just run out of her. Like, you know, she would tell me about her, her children and how my grand, the grandparents always favor the other children and my, my children, they don't like my children. And, and it was just constantly always, like our family is all, and I just listened to it, listened to it. Finally, I told her, I said, man, you, you're full of bitterness. And she goes, I am not. 
And I said, no, every word that bitterness always remembers every hurt. It remembers every single hurt. You can't even remember your phone number, but you can remember every single hurt and supposed hurt. And if you don't get rid of that in your life, you're never going to get anywhere with God. You gotta get along. You gotta, you gotta quit, uh, fussing and fighting and, and, uh, in our, we've got a great church at the New Life Pentecostal Church. It's growing. We need a new building. You know, we're working on that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to get a new building. We'll probably double in a year. I mean, there, there are people probably don't even come to our building because it's so full sometimes. Um, and I, it's not just the building, and I, I believe there's more to it than that. But, but I'm just saying we need we got a great church. We don't have a lot of problems. But you know what? If you want to come to our church and just start picking apart everybody and stirring up trouble and starting to gossip, you know that's the things that destroy the people of God, and it destroys you. You have no relationship with God if you don't love your brother. Read read First John. Just read it over and over and over again. You know, you. how can you say you love God and you hate your brother? You can't say it. Now, I know there are people that irritate us, and I know there are people that are hard to like. I, I get that. You know, I, I, um, there, there are. And there have been people in my life that, that I don't spend a lot of time around just because they, they really test my, my uh, Christianity. You know, they, they really do. But that doesn't mean I can't love them. Doesn't mean I, I, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, I, I take as much of it as I can and then I just have to pull away and pray a little more and I'll go back, go back. Real, I'm, I'm not joking. There are people like that. They just drive me insane. That's normal. That's natural. I'm not saying it's not true. But Paul said in Ephesians chapter four, he said in verse two, with all lowliness and meekness, he said, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. In other words, look, start, let's look over some of the faults that our brothers and sisters have. And then he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to throw away what we believe to get along. But the unity of the Spirit means that we follow the Spirit of God, and we're going to try as good as we can to uh, to love each other. I heard a story years ago that happened in a church. And uh, and in this story, the uh, there was there was two men in this church. This isn't the same story I told today in, in church. But there was two men in this church that didn't get along. They never spoke to each other. They didn't get along at all, and that church was in bad shape. There was a new man that came to that church that that sized up the situation, and he decided he's going to fix it. You ever read that scripture, blessed are the peacemakers? Well, this man decided he's going to fix it, and here's what he did. He went to one of the men in the church. This man was the head of a family. He said, he said, I heard you don't get along with Brother Smith or whatever the other guy's name. He goes, no, I don't. He said, I just as soon never see him. I, I wished he didn't go to our church. And he said, is there one good thing that you know about Brother Smith that you could tell me? And this Brother Jones said, um, well, I will say he's done a good job raising his kids. I'll say that. Well, then he went to Brother Jones or Brother Smith all mixed up. And he went to the other guy. He said, I was talking to Brother brother Jones the other day, Brother Smith. We were talking about you. Oh, yeah? What did he say? He said, you did a good job raising your kids. And Brother Smith said, really? He said that? He goes, yeah. He said, you know, and he said something nice about Brother Jones. Guess what? That peacemaker went back and told Brother Jones that. And do you know that those two men became friends? That's a true story. I don't know what their real, real names were. 
But those two men became friends, and there was a healing there. You see, how can God move if you won't get along? How can God move if you won't get rid of sin in your life? How can God move if you hate your brother? So I just don't hate. I don't hate him. I just I just don't love him. Well, same thing. Whatever. So so there there is a there is a uh, you know this this concept. I'm going to just say the sinner's prayer, and I'm, and I, and that's going to make me right with God. No. That's not the way this works. There are things in our life. There are, there are issues in our life. There are, there are situations in our life that are, keep us from God. If you won't do what God says, I heard, I heard something and, uh, and I'm going to give the credit to who it's due, but, but, um, you know, Brother Cornwell, he pastors in Wichita, Kansas, and he was preaching at this conference I was just at. And Brother Cornwell was telling the story of Abraham or Abram. And how God promised Abram, he said, you leave your family and your country, and I am going to give a land to you uh, that, he said, when you get there, I'll show it to you, I'll give you this land. <clears throat> but the Bible said Abram took Lot with him. That was a direct disobedience to God's command. And if you study it out, and Brother Cornwell brought it out very plainly, that the next several years in Abram's life were filled with trouble. He built altars, but it didn't seem to help. He, he, he was afraid of Pharaoh, lied about Sarah. He, he said, she's my sister. You know the story. He didn't seem like a mighty man of God during that time. And he was childless. And you know what? Finally, he went back to Bethel, got his business done with God. God he did what God told him to do. And when he did that, after Bethel, he approached Lot, and he used for an excuse that our shepherds aren't getting along. And he told Lot, he said, you pick the land you want to go to. We're going to split up. He said, whatever land you pick, you pick the best land, I'll take the other. I always thought it was because Abram was just a great guy. But Brother Cornwell brought out Abram was trying to get use that as an excuse to do what God said. Lot left. And at that point, God came back to Abram. Before Lot left, God told Abram, he said, I'm going to give the land to your seed. But he didn't say he was going to give it to Abram. But after Lot left, God came to him again and said, I'm going to give it to you now. And do you remember what a mighty man Abram became after that point? He even took his little band of shepherds and and rescued a whole nation from an invading army. I don't know if you know that story or not. I mean, he went after the, he rescued the king of Sodom. I mean, he, you know, but the point of the story is, is Abram, you're going, I mean, God changed his name, Abraham, but Abram, you're going nowhere until you face what God has put in your life. And so, and so we need to get rid of sin. We need to, to get along with others. And then we need to get busy seeking after God and praying. All great revivals have, have started with real repentance, real forgiveness for others. And the real seeking after God's face. There's a lot to this, and there's not. It's not going to be like I'm going to finish this subject tonight. But but I just I just want to say that if you're listening tonight, and you you know, in the spirit of what I'm trying to say here, I am not trying to hurt you. I know, I know, I'm not. I'm not trying to hurt you. But I'm going to tell you that if you feel like the spirit of God has left your life, could it be? Could it be the movies you're watching? Like, could it be? Like, I mean, when the Holy Spirit is part of your life, 
and you're, you turn on that movie, and you're watching that filth. And like I say, it's pornography. A lot of it's pornography. It might not be sold in an adult theater, but they've lowered the bar so bad now that it, I mean, it's just, I mean, it, it, it it's the stuff that people used to sneak around and look at in adult theaters in the 60s and 70s. Now families are watching together. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not. I really am not. And, uh, and little kids are what? No wonder. You know what? No wonder our prisons are filling up with sex offenders, you guys. I mean, your 14-year-olds, your 12-year-olds, your 10-year-olds are watching filth. You give them an iPad here, Johnny or Susie or Billy or I gotta, I gotta be careful who I say. You know, we, we give we give them we give them an iPad. Here you go. And your little 10-year-old is watching pornography. And when he's 15, he commits a crime, and now he's a sex offender. And you wonder, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know what went wrong. I can tell you some of it. You see, this what I'm saying here today. This, you know, when when you're sitting there watching that stuff, and the Holy Spirit is gently talking to you, saying, "You need to get up and turn that thing off," or even better yet, throw that thing out. And you don't do it, and you don't do it, and you don't do it. Guess who's going to get up and start walking? The Holy Spirit will eventually get up and start walking out of your life. The Bible says, grieve not the Spirit of God. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Like, let's not, let's not make God sad. Well, you're listening to the Tell It Like It Is show. I'm sure that not everybody's happy, but I, if you're not happy, I think you misunderstood me. I really do. I, I really think that you did. Seth, give out some information on how to get a hold of us during the week. All right. Well, we're from the New Life Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson. Uh, our church is located 105 7th Avenue West, right here in Dickinson, North Dakota. New Life Pentecostal Church. Phone number 701-264-7862. Uh, you can email us, robertsimons58 at gmail.com. Our next service, Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. You are invited. If you need a ride, give us a call at the church, 701-264-7862. Uh, Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock, we have adult Sunday school and children's Sunday schools. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock is our worship service. Again, you are invited. That's the New Life Pentecostal Church, 105 7th Avenue West. Tonight, this is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast. We're on every Sunday night from 8.06 to 9.06 Mountain Time. You can text us with any questions or comments, or if you just want to let us know where you're listening from, we would appreciate that too. Uh, the text number 290-7862, or you can call us in studio 701-225-5133. And if you're out of country, email us. Robert Simons, 58 at gmail.com. You know, um, God, here's what I'm saying tonight is God is talking to us. God is listening to us. But we're not listening to him. You know, the, the answer to why you're dead end with God right now is right in front of your face. I mean, it, it's right, it's right there. It's not hiding. He's not, he's not, it's not a secret. God's not quiet about it. He's actually, it's right in front of your face tonight. But we are not listening. God wants to help you. You're drowning. He throws the lifeline, but we keep throwing it back to him. We keep resisting him. Let me finish the broadcast with this little song. It alludes to the people in the wilderness and how God tried to help them and how they kept turning their back on God. It's called, He is Not Silent. The people said this desert never ends. We have no bread. 
our throats are dry. Our heads are heavy and our feet need rest. Has he left us here to die? And we've forgotten all his words As if we've never heard We take our hearts and turn away But he is not silent He is not whispering He is not quiet We are not listening He sends the lifeline We keep resisting Him. He is not silent. We are not listening. No, we are not listening. We wander through this world in disbelief. Shake our heads at every tear. Searching endlessly for some relief. Has he left us dying here? But we've forgotten all his words. Pretend we've never heard. We take our hearts and turn away. But he is not silent. He is not whispering. He is not quiet. We are not listening. He sends the lifeline, we keep resisting Him. He is not silent, we are not listening. And we take our daily bread, and after we've been fed, we take our hearts and turn away. But He is not silent, He is not whispering. He is not quiet, we are not listening. He sends the lifeline, we keep resisting Him. He is not silent, we are not listening. No, we are not listening. No, we are not listening. He is not silent. And Lord Jesus, tonight, I pray God that you have talked to somebody that's listening tonight to this broadcast. And instead of just listening to me, God, that they begin to listen to you. God, and there is a reason. There is a a reason that they're not right with you. There's a reason why they just can't get victory with you. God, and tonight it's because we won't humble ourselves and pray. We won't turn from our wicked ways. We won't seek our face, your face. God, we won't forgive our brother and sister. Lord, help us today. God, help us to realize this is not complicated. Lord, you're talking to us. Whatever, each one that's listening, God, you're talking to them about a different thing. But God, I just pray that your spirit would just, would just take this message and, and, and take sleep away from people's eyes. God, help trouble people, Lord. Bring them under conviction until they finally surrender their lives to you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, everybody. Pastor Bob here, the Tell It Like It Is radio show. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll be back next Sunday night. I know in you, I can be strong. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. You are my light. You are my joy.
Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.